0: So yesterday, I called all of my children, four of them, and tried to confirm with them that I remembered the story correctly. When they were little, they, were, they would always devise ways to get their own way. You know how that goes with children. Children. They knew what to ask. They had this intelligence thing going. They knew what to ask me about. They knew what to ask their mom about. They knew when they would get their own way with one or the other. They knew that if they came and asked me, I was going to send them to mom. If I was sent to her, they were going to send them to me. I mean, yeah, we had this routine down. But one of the things that I remember often, we would be going somewhere, often to church it seemed, and they would say, so dad, can we, uh, can we get ice cream after church? And I would say... We'll see. And over time, Carmen screamed it out yesterday. She and her husband Danny were there when I was we were talking about she screamed out on the speakerphone. And that always meant no. I said, No, it didn't, Carmen. We'll see didn't mean no. I said, So how would I follow it up when I would say, We'll see? You would say, Come on, dad, promise. And I would say, No. I can't promise. Because if I promise, I need to do it. I need you to learn to trust your dad and to believe that when he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. So we'll see means I don't know, all right? I don't know. And if you ever push me and and I go ahead and I finally say, okay, we'll go, I promise, that means I'm going to keep my promise. God made a promise To David. He didn't say, we'll see. He said, this is what I promise I'm going to do. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to ask you to join me as we look to 2 Samuel and we look at something that is called the Davidic covenant, the covenant with David. And it was part of the promise that God made through David to his son. And the other part was clearly revealed when God made the promise about his unique only begotten son Jesus the scripture says in 2nd Samuel that the king said to Nathan verse 2 i'm living in a cedar house while the ark of god sits outside in tent cut curtains nathan told the king then you go and do everything that's in your heart because the lord is with you so let's stop right there and say Nathan was just kind of reading the moment. David said, "Man, I'm feeling guilty. I live in this wonderful house made of cedar, and we still have the tabernacle of God as this portable tent. And so, how can I put, say, it's okay for God to live in those cloths outside? We all know that God can never live in a building made with hands, but that God." would have to dwell there, and I would be dwelling in this beautiful house. So Nathan the prophet said, hey, man, God's with you. If that's in your heart to do, you you go ahead and do it. But then that night, God came to Nathan. It says in verse 4, the word of the Lord came to Nathan the prophet. Go to my servant David and say, this is what the Lord says. Are you to build a house for me to live in? From the time I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until today, I've not lived in a house. Instead, I have been moving around with the tabernacle tent. In all of my journeys with all the Israelites, have I ever asked anyone among the tribes of Israel, Whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why haven't you built me a house of cedar? (laughs) You see what God's saying? So, have I ever told anybody I wanted a house? Have I ever said this was a good idea? I mean, it's not like I asked somebody to do it and nobody did it. So, David, I mean, it's good that you have that in your heart, but where did this come from? Then verse 8. Now you are to say to my servant David. This is what the Lord of hosts says. I took you from the pasture, from the following the sheep, to be a ruler over my people Israel. Can I just pause right there and say, isn't it good sometimes when God takes us back and reminds us? I mean, I I look around sometimes and I'm just amazed at where God has brought me a little boy between Atlanta and Macon who was afraid to give a report before the class. I, I, was, I would get sick when it was time for me to talk. In the second and third grade, my mom would have to come get me at school. I never wanted to be in front of people talking. And then God started working in my heart and developing my personality. And I don't say that he's done anything all that big, but when I think about where he's let me go, the people he's let me meet, the people that have been my teachers, all the opportunities he's given me. I'm just amazed that God would work in my life that way. And so the prophet is saying back to David, look, didn't I bring you from being a shepherd? And I've been with you, verse 9, wherever you've gone, I've destroyed your enemies before you. I will make a name for you like that of the greatest in the land. I will establish a place for my people Israel and plant them so that they may live there and not be disturbed again, and evildoers will not affect them as they have done. Ever since the day, I ordered the judges to be over my people Israel and said, I will give you rest from your enemies. The Lord declares this to you. The Lord himself will make a house for you. It's interesting when you when you look at it we're about to launch into the david davidic covenant in verse 12 but before we do there's so many twists that you you see how prophecy works in an immediate fulfillment and then a telescopic fulfillment and you see what god's doing in the the foreground, and you see what God's doing in the background, and you see the already and not yet of the things that God does as he reveals his purposes to mankind. I'm going to build a house, all right, and I'm going to build your household, David. All of that is going into God's answer to him, and then I want you to notice Let's look at verses 12 through 15 together. We'll put them up here on the screen if you've not been able to follow along. When your time comes and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up after you your descendant who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. I will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I want you to notice three times the forever. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. When he does wrong, I will discipline him with a human rod and with the blows from others. But my faithful love will never leave him as I removed it from Saul. I removed him from your way. Your house and kingdom will endure before me forever, and your throne will be established forever. Three times forever, God made a promise to David. Now, some of this promise was fulfilled immediately. If you know how the story was unfolding, God would later say, David, you've got blood on your hands. I'm not going to let you build the temple. But your son Solomon is going to be able to build it. And it was big, and it was majestic, and it was a place where the world set up and took notice at how God was working in that third king of the United Kingdom before the division came. But through this, God was not only making a promise of what he was going to do to Solomon to build a temple, but he was promising what he was going to do through David's descendant's and how he would build a kingdom forever. Now, I told KK this last night. Through the years, you kind of fall into routines when you're, when you're teaching. And uh, I fall into a routine when I'll have you read the scripture out loud. And I'll say, pray this prayer aloud with me. Lord God, speak to my heart. And I thought, so... How many times in Scripture does God really refer Lord God? I mean, there are a few uh, in praise songs of Lord God. It's Adonai, Yahweh in the Hebrew. But there are many times that those stand alone, but I want you to notice here to get, I felt a little better because sometimes when I get ready to pray that, I go, So is that really the right way? I mean, should we be saying, Lord God, speak to my heart? But listen to what happens here as David responds. Nathan told all of these things about the vision to David. Verse 18 says, Then King David went in, he sat in the Lord's presence, and he said, Who am I, Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? What you have done so far was a little thing to you. (laughs) It was little to you, God. I mean, think about it. Stuff that's so big to us, that was just a little thing to you, God. Lord God, you have also spoken about your servant's house in the distant future. And this is a revelation for mankind, Lord God. What more can David say to you? You know your servant, Lord God. Because of your word and according to your will, you have revealed all great things to your servant. I'm just going to stop right there. Because I want us to see that God made a promise to David. And what was his promise? That he was going to establish a throne. And he was going to establish the rule. And through David, just like he had said to Abraham, through your seed, all the peoples are going to be blessed. He said, through David, I want you to see that I'm going to establish a messianic rule, a rule of my Messiah, and one day he will come. Now you say, well, pastor, are you reading too much into this because there was something with Solomon, and then there was something else in this forever stuff. Well, I don't, I don't really think I am because you could keep reading in the Old Testament and you would find psalmists that would say that just like he said to David, your throne, O Lord, will be forever. And not only was it through the psalmist, but I want you to see then other places where God is accomplishing his plan. God's people understood this promise to David and they knew that David had died but they still expected the Messiah to come and sit on David's throne and restore the kingdom and reign forever. In addition to these psalms, let's look at what the prophet said. In Isaiah chapter 9, one that you think should be reserved for Christmas, because it is one that is pointing to the coming of Christ. But listen to how Isaiah applies this promise to David. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Eternal Father, and the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of his peace there will be no end. Here it is He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom. To establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever, the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. The prophet saw the plan. Not because they understood as we do on this side of the cross. I mean, Peter even said they were trying to peek into understanding what it was going to be like with the Messiah. But we find ourselves understanding that the prophets had been told by God, inspired by God, through the Spirit of God, to proclaim the coming of Messiah. And just like Isaiah did, he said he would be on the throne of David. God made a promise And God accomplished his plan. Let's look at how God accomplished his plan. First, I want to remind you of the genealogies of the coming of Christ. So turn to your New Testament and look in the book of Matthew of how God accomplished his plan. When you come to Matthew's gospel... Here's how it begins. The historical record of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Remember, the promise through Abraham, through his seed, all the peoples will be blessed. And now the son of David on the throne forever. And then something that you uh, probably always enjoy when you're reading the Bible through. So just sit back, and I'm going to read all of these names. No, I'm really not. All right. I could mispronounce them with you, okay? But notice down in verse 6, And Jesse fathered King David. So you go to verse 17, and you see in this genealogy, All the generations, well, we probably should read 16. And Jacob fathered Joseph, the husband of Mary, who gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David until the exile to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the exile to Babylon until the Messiah, 14 generations. So you see the genealogy tracing it back through David. Have you ever known or been noticed or been taught that Matthew gives one genealogy and Luke gives another? Now why is that true? Matthew's genealogy is tracing to the legal right to the throne through Jesus' supposed father Joseph. There had been a birth certificate that had to write something on it. Okay? And so through the genealogy, we see it traced to Joseph. But Luke's genealogy, because Dr. Luke had spent so much time interviewing Mary. <laughs> Doctor, you see all the details that came from Mary. In Luke's genealogy, we see the physical right to the throne. And in that genealogy, you will also discover that it was traced through David. So God made a promise And he accomplished his plan. But lest, again, you think I'm isolating things and not really bringing you the unit, look at Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, the angel is speaking to Mary. And as the angel speaks to Mary, this is what is said. Verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call, what a wonderful name it is. You just sang it. What a wonderful name, our king. You will call his name Jesus. Jehovah saves. Joshua, the Old Testament. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father What glass? David. Put him on the throne of his father, David. Verse 33 says, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. There it is again. And his kingdom will have no end. We could go on and talk in the Gospels about what was said about Jesus being the son of David. But I just want to show you one more that I think is quite a fascinating one. If you want to go home and do a word search on it. I mean, come on, you have no excuse to not study your Bible, all right? I I remember the days I had to carry around big books. I went on a retreat one time, carried two suitcases just so I could do studies of words in the Bible. Now you can do it all... On the phone, please don't do it right this minute. All right, but you can do it all on the phone and you can do all the searches you want. You can search for all of this, son of David, find what the prophet said, find what is said in in the gospels. But watch this Matthew chapter 22. I love this one. Matthew 22, verse 41. Jesus asked them a question saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. So he said to them, How is it then that David in the spirit calls him Lord? Saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? No one was able to answer Jesus a word. And from that day on, they didn't dare ask him any more questions because they knew they couldn't figure it out. That is so cool to me. When he asked them, so what do you think about this Messiah? Who's he going to be? Son of David. So if he was David's son, why did David call him his Lord? And other New Testament writers make the same application even the first sermon on the day of Pentecost. So how does that impact us? That's the question of the day. How does this throne of David make a difference to us? You see, God made a promise. God accomplished His plan to fulfill that promise. But listen, He invites us to himself with a promise listen to how the word records this invitation Isaiah chapter 53 listen to what it says I'm going to show you the first couple of verses and then we'll put verse 3 on the screen I think Isaiah chapter 55 I'm sorry Keep in mind what I'm trying to get you to see. The God who made a promise to David is making a promise to me and you, and he's inviting us to his promise. Listen to what he says. Come, everyone who is thirsty. Come to the waters, and you without money, come. Buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money on what is not food and your wages on what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and you will enjoy the choicest of foods. Isaiah 55, verse 3. Pay attention and come to me. Listen so that you will live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The promises assured to David. The Messiah can rule and reign over mine, your life. And he alone will satisfy the longing of our soul. But once again, we see the invitation with a promise. You go to the end of your Bible. You go to the end of time You read in the revelation of John, even in the beginning, chapter 1, it talks about him being of the line of David. But now look at how the revelation is ending as you come to Revelation 22, verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to attest these things to you for the churches. I am the root, the offspring of David, The bright morning star. And both the spirit and the bride say come. And anyone who hears should say come. And the one who is thirsty should come. And whoever desires to take the living water as a gift. I invite you to come. So what is God's promise to me and you? He says he wants us. He says he forgives us. He says he wants to give a relationship to us. He wants to rule over us as our good king. And he makes a covenant to never leave us and never forsake us. And so just like a little kid. We come to God and we say, you mean you really want me? You can really forgive me? Jesus really died for me. He was really raised for me. He can live inside of me. And God says, yes, I promise. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? So the Spirit and the bride say, come. The one who's been raised from the dead says, come to me. Our Father who sent the Lord Jesus, who conquered sin and death and hell, invites us to let the Messiah, the promised one, rule and reign over our lives and give us his peace There will be no end to his government, nor to his peace. So today, if you have a divided heart, the Spirit says, come. Today, if you have a troubled heart, the Spirit of God invites you to come. Today, if you have a need for direction, and your heart seems dark the light of the world invites you and he says come to me so Lord God just like David hearing the news of your promise we are moved to praise you remembering where you have brought us And what you've taught us and how you've led us and what you've said you will do forever. So I pray from my own heart and for these, your people, that today our hearts would be united and totally submitted to the rule of King Jesus And with great delight, we would participate in telling the world that you reign. That we will go where you say go. We will speak when you say speak. We will live as you say live as citizens of a new kingdom. So Lord Jesus, may we respond fresh today to your invitation and bring our lives to you. In Jesus' name.